and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How you doing today, Axel? I'm doing very well, actually. I just had a, a long conversation with my soon-to-be dungeon master, and, uh, you know, this D&D conversation always gets me in a good, sh- a good mood. Good point, uh, idea bringing up the fact that when you say dungeon master, you mean D&D and not something else. <laughs> okay, All right, I'm more of a geek, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, on today's episode, we'll be introducing you to one of my favorite things in the world. It's also something we've talked about in nearly every episode thus far and is easily my favorite sci-fi universe, Warhammer 40,000. I think it's a perfectly good choice for favorite sci-fi universe. It's certainly the most intense sci-fi universe I've ever seen, and I, I, I don't actually know a whole lot about it. I mean, I've, um, I've researched you know, my fair share of most about orc stuff, but because I don't actually know too much about it, we brought on someone else beside you who does know, and here's my friend, Wretched Giraffe, or just Wretched. What's up, guys? How's it going, man? Yeah, uh, this universe is pretty great. Uh, I know you like the sci-fi aspect, but uh, if you ever want to check out the fantasy aspect, Age of Sigmar is also amazing and incredibly brutal. <laughs> I'm not so much a fan of Age of Sigmar, but as my name suggests, I am a fan of the old school Warhammer fantasy. Oh, all right. Fair enough. I mean, uh, there are good trade-offs in both. I There's just, just not uh, enough lore to Age of Sigmar yet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, they have been making good progress, though. I don't know if you've been checking Games Workshop lately, but they've they've been writing pretty hard. Yeah, they're starting to piece it together. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about uh, 40K. And yes. much like our cartoon episode in our Warrior Corner, we want to make this a reoccurring segment where we talk about just, you know, some 40K lore, get more people into it. But in order to do that, we need to give you the bare bones rundown of the universe of 40K and the setting. Go for it. (laughs) So when someone says Warhammer 40K, it can refer to a whole slew of things. As we, you know, kind of hinted towards, first and foremost, it is a sci-fi universe of utter brutality and just ridiculousness. The likes of which you don't see in any other universe. And when he says universe, that's like, uh, originally it was a tabletop war game. I mean, it's made by Games Workshop, but it's also in uh, books and video games, and it's, it's a Comics. thing. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's pretty expansive. Tabletop's super fun, and uh, if anyone hasn't checked it out, if there is a Games Workshop in your uh, in your town, you can go and play a few rounds for free. So, should try well, it. Most... It's actually really fun. If you've got a decent <laughs> hobby store, they should be able to point you in the right direction or get you started. I know the last time I was actually visiting you, Ulrich, you had your uh, your start of your your Space Marine miniature collection. Yep, I now have that plus a Custodes army. <laughs> so, so give us a so it's it's this multimedia thing that people do, and as we've kind of established, we we like the the universe behind it. So, give us the the bullet points. What's what is the universe? The universe is a it's often described the key phrase people use is grim dark i hate that phrase but continue (laughs) yeah and it just kind of describes the aesthetic in the feel because it's a universe and of course as the name implies forty thousand is the year roughly where you have humanity is in a state of perpetual stagnation by what is called the imperial of man which is this giant fascist theocracy 
Well, when you say stagnation, does that mean that? Because uh, I was under the impression, right, that the Imperium of Man, which is future humans, was like the the dominant power in the Warhammer universe. So is that if they're in stagnation, uh, does that mean they have? And by by dominant power, I mean like politically, not like army strength or something like that. Like they have the most yeah. planets and stuff. So the big thing is they have they have a stagnation too because getting actual normal humans made anymore than aren't on craft worlds or like using the gene seed is super hard because they had to they had to create worlds which are called they've got craft worlds right that are basically like this is where we make more people (laughs) right because what was happening was there's these things later on that we'll talk about that are called tyranids and uh they do nothing but go around and look for biomass so when you're dealing with this thing basically floating around you've got so many like spread out or so many people spread out in your empire eventually it started dwindling and now it's really hard to not or to make people without these tyranids like kind of dipping their way into the gene pool okay yeah. so, so that's what i mean with stagnation that out, outside forces yeah. have caused the the spread outness of the imperium to become a, a liability well, you've Pretty got much. that, and you also got stagnation of technology. Even though this is a super advanced technological society, they are still right. regressing in so many ways. Yeah, but, because there's a, there's another big thing too that's going on. Then uh, there's this thing called the machine spirit, and this group of people now that worship technology. Because was it? I don't know the full facts on this, Ulrich. I don't remember if it was like twenty thousand years ago. Or when there was a there was a big uprising when technology basically was like super booming and oh it's it, way 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 further yeah, back the line yeah like that. it backfired so hard and they ended up true AI yeah it <laughs> everything went bad so <laughs> they started calling this thing called the machine spirit and now like all of their tech is basically locked behind vaults and they've got priests and it's like hey if we want a certain gun right. We have to go commission to this priest, and he goes and gets it. And then they're like, hey, has the AI gotten into this? No? Okay, we can use this. <laughs> that's, Here you go. That's legitimately yeah. terrifying. Right. <laughs> so I think real quick, we'll just run down the various factions to give people an idea what they are. So you got... Well, hold on, hold on. Before we go factions, quick quick question. So sure. if, they're, if they're in stagnation, what would you say? I'm guessing it's roughly this time period you're talking about with this machine spirit uprising. But what would you say was the peak of the Imperium of Man, then. See, the peak of the Imperium of Man, because this whole machine spirit, that was long, that was before... Yeah, it was, it was a while. what we're going to call the Golden Era, because the Golden Era was when the Emperor of Mankind was still alive. Around, that was the peak. I mean, Which, by the way, kind of alive. <laughs> so, so the Emperor, I actually know this, but the, so the Emperor of Mankind is a whole, like, a whole episode's worth of discussion all on its own, but to, right. to sum it up... Really yeah, we will... The Imperium in general is a discussion all its own. Yeah. We will have like, to circle back. This is an extremely dense universe. Yeah. But the Emperor is basically a semi-immortal super being. So he's been around like for you know the, basically the 40,000 years longer, actually. So, all right. So sure. we can say, oh. yeah. So the peak happened a long time ago. And when we say factions, you know, like any, any war game, I think the... Uh, best example looking at video games things like starcraft or age of empires um any war game is going to have multiple species essentially that are vying for power so in the warhammer universe which you know war is the big thing then what's important especially for a fan is what 
species or race that you latch onto that you like the most. So that's what we mean when we say we're going through the factions. Yeah. So, you know, you got the main one, the Imperium of Man. And this covers, I think, like half a dozen different sub-factions. But that's where humanity is. Yeah, definitely. Uh, We've got the Chaos, which is split into uh, whether you're going demons or, again, four factions of gods. And we'll be talking about them today. We have the, my personal favorite, the Orcs, spelled with a K, which are like if you take uh, Tolkien's Orcs, make them bright neon green, and like a hundred times harder to kill, and also have Cockney accents. Yep. Uh, then you have, we also mentioned the Tyranids earlier, which are this ever-adapting race of monster bugs, and before you go, oh, you mean the Zerg, no, <laughs> the Zerg are based on the Tyranids. Yeah. And, and the Tyranids are basically, if someone looked at the Zerg and said, that isn't nearly brutal enough. We need to, we yes. need to pump those numbers up. <laughs> we need to calm this down. That's the Zerg. Like, if you put a, if you put the Tyranid on a chill pill, right? If you introduce the Tyranid into the StarCraft universe, it would be just death. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much. Uh, we'll have phone stories when we talk about them. Let's see. You also have... My least favorite. Oh, the Tau? No, never mind. Yeah. Go ahead, go Tau. A super advanced race of space bombing, essentially. Well, here's the the thing about the Tau. The Tau are arguably, at least for when they first came out, the least interesting because they were like, so the one of the interesting things about Warhammer is that no race is good. You know, they're all warmongering in, in their own way and super flawed. When the Tau came out, they were this greater good coalition of races the closest thing to the federation from star trek essentially and people didn't like that it didn't gel with the the nature of warhammer so now there's these heavy implications that the leaders of the tau actually have like mind control shit but the point is the tau are actually a bunch of different kind of races they're also the youngest faction of all yeah and their big problem is they don't have a lot of lore on them for the uh xeno races which is they're remedying. They're getting there. There is some new stuff coming out. Yeah, that is the reason that a majority of people don't like them, actually, is there's not lore, and the fact that they came up out of nowhere so quickly. So a big thing about the Tau is the Imperium found these people that were basically tribesmen, and they're like, oh, okay, we don't have to worry about that for a while, so we'll we'll come back and we'll deal with it later. Well, when they came back, they had warp technology and crazy space travel and they never explained why they have this they just do yeah and basically if you like mech suits you like the tau that's their big defining feature (laughs) and dinosaurs yeah now the opposite of the tau i would say just because of that whole like longevity thing would be the eldar who are space elves like pretty much straight up (laughs) yeah like they are they believed at least up until a certain point that they were the oldest race Oh, no, they knew. Uh, they just didn't want other people to know. Oh, so, okay. So they, they have <laughs> always known that the last race, the Necron, have existed. They just didn't want other people to know that they existed. Because oh. they're, and that's, they're assholes like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> also... that's The Necron come into like a huge conversation that you guys could have at a later point. Because yeah. they get into some like, what the... Why... So, <laughs> So the Eldar can be summed up as uh, elitist elves. Just, just think elves from Lord of the Rings, but in space, and they're very pretentious. And the Necron, which we mentioned, are uh, space terminators. Yeah, much. that's uh, yeah. pretty much it. Can't keep a good robot down. Yeah, when we when they're the oldest because they literally like are so ancient that they they gave up their bodies and became uh, 
uh, term space uh, robot zombies, essentially. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. their lore is really interesting. Uh, flip side of the coin to the Eldar is the Dark Eldar, which are a sadomasochistic race of Eldar who prolong their lives through torture. Uh, budget slanesh beings. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use that term a lot because there's a lot of things that the Eldar like to do as well as the Dark Eldar then kind of breach into parts of chaos when we get into it. And it's just like, this guy is a far weaker version of the real thing. Okay. Who are, are we forgetting anyone? I feel like we're forgetting someone. I do too, but I feel like we hit the main Necron, one. Orc, well, Imperium. okay, so this falls under yes. Imperium of Man, but since they butt heads a lot, I would say Space Marines, which technically are Imperium of Man, but they kind of are also but their, their own, own thing. faction. Like, even in the tabletop, they're their own. Thing. Well, yeah, but when I say Imperium of Man, there's, there's way too many sub-factions to go into. <laughs> yeah, but that's the idea, yeah. is that Space Marines are interesting because they're separate. Like, if you play any Warhammer game, Space Marines are a separate thing, because each chapter of Space Marines is kind of like its own sovereign state. Right. Yeah, and they have, they're really, we'll get to them. So I yeah. guess, real quick, I wanted to ask you guys, how what how'd you get into 40K? How'd you discover it? I think well, this is always a great question to do. Well, I'll, I'll go first since you're the guest, and I want you to go longer. Mine is very simple. Ulrich, you recommended it, and so I started reading about it. And uh, actually, no, that's not true because I had played Dawn of War. I have no idea who. Oh, I remember now. Sorry, my my buddy Stevie, who will be on two weeks from now. He got me to buy Dawn of War, the the PC game, and that's when I first got into it. I didn't start reading into it until you told me the lore was as thick as it is. Then I started reading into it. Yeah, all right. Uh, so how did I get into this? I gotta go way back. Like, I think this is maybe junior high. I had a buddy that I used to hang out with every once in a while, and he kept showing me the figures, and he's like, these are really, really cool. And uh, I'd go over to his house all the time, and his brother was like, just monstrously into this game like he he used to play back when they had the like super thick volume one codexes Ooh. and they were like 150 bucks a codex right so and just to explain codexes really quickly it's like your rule book for your faction or your army that you're playing yeah so, uh it also has tons of books they're really cool and they change them to indexes now but anyway uh so he He's got this big old codex. He's like, yeah, these are the these are what we call the Space Marines. And I just remember, like, thought it was the coolest thing. And uh, I don't know. I've been I've been delving into this lore like ever since. So I've got a long history of this. <laughs> My mainly the team about yeah. <laughs> so that's that's what like um ten twelve years for you or something like that. Yeah, definitely at least. Yeah, for me it's like five years. So I mean, Dawn of War yeah. is a good game and got a lot of people into it. So. <laughs> I got about 12 years of experience, but mine is kind of ass backwards in how I went about it. I went about it because I picked up uh, Dawn of War Soulstorm at Walmart once and went home and I played it and I had no idea what was going on in this game or who these people were. But I'm like, oh, this is really fun. I'm going to, you know, I have no idea what this is, but this is really cool. And then I found a book series with the same name, Dawn of War, picked that up, started reading it. And as many fans will know, that was by the now infamous author C.S. Goto. And from there, I'm like, oh, wait, this is a whole universe? And from there, it was a backwards learning process of what 40K was, the lore and everything. And as I've said before, I'm a lore fiend. And when I found out the depth of the lore of this universe, I instantly fell in love. 
And about two years ago, I actually got into the tabletop and I now have spent way too much money and way too much time oh, yeah. building Painting, into this man. hobby. <laughs> Painting. Well, oh. <laughs> well, it sounds like we found the uh, the right guest to bring on because while well, you have roughly equivalent uh, timestamps, the fact that uh, Wretched is started off so engrossed in the tabletop, I think it's appropriate to call you an expert for purposes of our discussion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I definitely have played quite a bit. So, I I mean, there's people out there that could floor me because I'm uh, kind of a filthy savage, and I really, really like playing just the demons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they have this really terrible mechanic going on right now where it's like, yeah, sometimes we just stop existing. So. What? I think that brings us into our primary discussion for the day, which is we want to talk about chaos, your faction, the demons. Oh, yes. Chaos yeah. are, they are the way. So, <laughs> find out. I think before we do we got to talk about where they come from and the warp and what the warp is. Uh, oh, man. What is the warp? That's so hard to describe. Uh, what is every terrible dimension you could think of welcome to the war there's some of that (laughs) but essentially the way i describe it and the way it's been described to me is imagine a universe where thoughts and emotions become reality and it's a constant shifting sea of that because the entire universe's thoughts and emotions feed into this universe it also right. it also is somehow what allows the species of Warhammer 40k to travel faster than light. Yep, it also allows people in the the normal what we'll call the normal plane to have psychic abilities. Yeah, there's uh, psychic abilities in this universe, folks. Yeah, hmm. there there are space wizards. <laughs> <laughs> that's basically all they are. They just pull power from the warp. You know, so it's the funny. story of 40k is you know Games Workshop, the company that produced this, made a fantasy universe just called Warhammer, in the late 80s. And then that was successful. And they said, let's make this sci-fi. So they took a bunch of 80s-style tropes and uh, painted over their fantasy universe with it. And it's expanded from there, but the bones are still there. This was essentially space fantasy. Yep, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> so the warp is one of, like, or it, it kind of is, like, the most important like single concept seemingly in in the warhammer universe because like so much about how the different races behave and exist with each other is is tied into this plane kind of like it's kind of like star trek subspace if it also is where every emotion existed so yeah and uh it's a realm of nightmares essentially because this is such a violent angry universe that pours into this you get creatures essentially live there yeah you uh you get creatures and you get all sorts of things that can happen like people being sent into it and then becoming gods um and and correct me they, they get a higher understanding of how the world itself works and how they can manipulate reality but they yeah, can apparently has no bounds within the warp right and uh, correct me if i'm wrong but and without going into detail but the only reason why say the empyrean of man can evil even travel through the warp without all going insane immediately is because of the Emperor of Man. Yeah, the protection of the... Yeah, that's part of it. But they also create... All their ships create a bubble of reality around them. It creates a little pocket space of normality, which is funny because you know how orcs go through the warp? Uh, Well, orcs, as to, to be really quick, like they 
have uh, essentially a psychic field that connects them all separate from the warp called the Wah. And basically, if enough orcs believe something, then uh, it is true for them. So I didn't get into the details, but I always assumed that that was basically how they traveled through <laughs> faster than light. Kinda. They st- but they basically do... They travel in the warp the same way orcs do everything. They punch into it and then punch their way through it. Yep. They, uh, <laughs> they literally, like, force their way through. And uh, it is it is still in the way that you thought, though, Axel. Like, the uh, because we believe this happens, it happens. Because <laughs> if we get enough people to believe it, it works. The, the reason why the warp is specifically important to this discussion, other than it just being as important as the Warhammer, though, is that the chaos, um, like, they not only derive their, like, faster than light travel, but, like, their very existence is tied to the warp, right? Yes, because all of the chaos gods due to the uh, the good old god emperor are now tied to the warp, so they can't physically manifest without having, like, a host basically. Yeah, so let's talk about the four gods and their origins and well, where they came from. Well, hold on. Aren't So I remember I had this discussion with Wretched a while back, but before we talk about... Because I know the main gods you're talking about, but before them, aren't there nameless chaos gods whose existence yes. is even... Oh, yeah. There's quite a few of them, and then there was one that has been popping up more recently... But that's mainly because now that they've changed the way the Imperium of Man work and they made the new Space Marines and their new Primarch, they were like, well, this Primarch needs to fight something. So they they basically made this guy who existed before the Four Chaos. And I'm not super knowledgeable on this dude because they haven't really wrote a lot about him. And they keep calling him the Nameless One. And like, that's what he is. They don't say really what he does, but... Basically, he fights the new Primarch. Yeah, because I, I just remember, I just remember reading, right? Because I, I read that the Chaos Gods like formed from the negative emotions in the war. But then you told me that that's only true of those like those very old gods. That that the four right. main Chaos Gods actually were once being were once people. Yeah. So the majority of the Chaos faction are like humans that have just been exposed into the warp. And this depends on whether or not you're reading the older codexes or the newer indexes. So the older codexes, what happened was we sent some dudes into the warp and when they came back, they weren't the same. That's why when you see, if you look through the Space Marines versus like the Chaos Space Marines, all the Chaos Space Marines have like these weird mutations or like these things on them. And all of their gear is actually far older than normal Space Marine gear. And it works because of the warp. Mm. Wow, the lore has changed a lot. <laughs> right. They like, and this is this is a big part of the same reason, like when I was talking about, we were talking about Age of Sigmar earlier and the normal fantasy Warhammer, right? So like mm-hmm. Age of Sigmar is fantasy Warhammer, but they were like, well, we've kind of stretched the limit. So like, let's let's reboot again, right? Yeah. And that's basically what's happened with what used to be and what's going on now. Like now is I feel like is a little bit cooler, but the but concept of right, definitely. They 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 went a little bit more into detail. But yeah, back in the day, Corn was just a guy. He was just like Sergeant Corn were going in and then came out like, "Oh, what's up? I have four arms and 
I'm the blood god now. Now excuse me <laughs> while I start collecting all these skulls. Like, <laughs> okay, well, if we're gonna I like talk the, about, I like the new version of Corn. All right, well, if we're gonna talk yeah. about, I, I feel like because uh, we've mentioned Corn, but I feel like he's the last god we should talk about. Well, <laughs> technically, he was best. the first one born, though. Yes, he was. He was the he was the first because he's born of blood, rage, and just straight killing. And, yeah, okay. uh, we could talk about him first. I just I thought he was the most important, so I was going to save him. But if he came first, then sure, let's go. That's a bit pretentious. Corn gets the most love out of all the gods, and maybe as he should. So. <laughs> I don't know. I I uh, I mean, on a straight power scale, he is by far the most. Like I would say, in a a one v one, if people were actually fighting in the warp, the strongest because he gains power simply by the. The fact that someone spilled his blood and said his name. So like Yeah. But that thing I've got to address is the the four chaos gods are constantly fighting each other and working with each other. Yes. And there's it's like it's an ever shifting of who gets to be in power. But real quick, Korn was born during the Crusades and all of the violence and bloodshed that happened. All that energy floated into the warp and manifested as corn. Well, that's old, old lore, certainly. No, that's the current lore they're going No, with. that's current lore. Old lore was corn was a guy. Oh, all right. Current lore, he was manifested from what happened. Like, because they were, like, bombing just normal people's streets. Like, they, like, just killing civilians. Like, everything was just so nasty. And then he kind of popped out of the like all of those emotions again thrown into the warp oh well that's yeah. kind of what i was i thought that was the the ancient god that's what i was mentioning before where like the idea that the gods literally were, like formed from the negative emotions in the the warp oh okay sorry i guess i misunderstood uh the comment there but yeah that that is what happened that's the that's the new lore okay yeah. so corn literally formed from essentially the the negative energies of of actual war of like blood spilling and and bombing and and stuff like that yeah correct and then after him came nurgle and he was born from the plague you know the black death in europe yes and he's the nastiest of all the gods he represents stagnation putrefaction and just gooiness <laughs> yes he's the one yeah he's, he's the one that uh Ulrich has referred to several times when i've been sick in the last three episodes well he's the plague god he is the plague god papa nurgle yeah oh nasty papa? uh then... yeah he, he he got a big a big name back in the day being called papa nurgle because when people would come out they would start giving plague to literally everything kids rats kittens and they're like oh we're giving you the gift of our father so they started <laughs> calling him papa nurgle yeah, that is. They refer to him in canon as Father Nurgle or Papa Nurgle. Wow. Creepy. No, 40K's got a dark sense of humor to it as well. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, his his main, like, I want to call them the Horsemen of Nurgle. They uh, they dip their uh, weapons in his ooze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, 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 we'll get more into in the individual gods. And then after yeah. that, you get Zinch, who the is schemer. The, the schemer, the god of schemes and the patron deity of sorcerers and psychers. And I'm not 100% sure where he came from. I was uh, some alien race I know. Yeah, it was an alien race and it was also uh, another thing. It's it's like a backlash on what they're doing to keep 
the god emperor alive right so when he like ventured to the warp and they started sacrificing all these psychers all of that then didn't necessarily go to him started getting like cut off into another area and he kind of started to manifest yeah, yeah. that's something we gotta explain about the warp time doesn't work the same because in the warp all these gods have always existed and never existed at the same time right the so warp is... you can have events happening at different time points in you know real space time and be happening totally out of order in the warp it's the insanity that is again the warp and side note for the uh, uninitiated and again i'll talk about this more at length when they say when he says sacrificing psychers to the god emperor so the the emperor of mankind basically is can he's permanently connected to the warp to try to keep it and i use this with giant quotation marks safe essentially to keep the chaos gods locked there but his body is deteriorating and so the the imperium has to sacrifice something like a thousand psychers which is a, a psychic essentially it's just their kind of word for a psycher yeah they, they, they sacrifice yeah they ahead. feed hit they feed the psychers to his Souls. him essentially yes because he provides a beacon he's a lighthouse because without it you can get lost in the warp forever anyway so right. this this god's name was that formed from from this his name is zinch zinch, zinch. 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 The ever-changing. He's apparently always has various schemes going and plots and subplots. And and that's why he is a direct, uh, like, he's the basically the counter to Nurgle, right? Like Yes, because his is change, constantly moving forward. Nurgle is the opposite of that. Stagnation. Nurgle is destroy it, just blow it up. <laughs> and he's like, we can't build upon nothing. Like, that. But anyway... <laughs> And then we come to the youngest of the gods, Slanesh, who was created after the Eldar literally had an orgy so big, <laughs> so long, and so debaucherous that they created her slash him. Tolkien yep. didn't write this shit. <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, Slanesh represents excess in everything. Yep. You know, sex. Drugs, whatever. <laughs> so, in attempt to achieve perfection in everything. Yep, and even in some cases, greed. Yeah, like Slash kind of gets painted into a corner as, oh, that's the sex god, but <laughs> yeah, which is there's not... more to it than that. Yeah, no, Slash is probably the most complex of the four. Yes, definitely, yes. Because, because if you could write like m the majority of the sins without wrath, that's. That's Slanesh. I mean, I guess it could be even Wrath if there was like a guy that's like, I get so happy every time I stab someone. Like sounds like Ran from Ran Stimpy. Well, yeah, it, it's any anything that you you would do in such an excess, or you obsess like, over being right. the best act. I I did read that there is currently an unnamed fifth chaos god that's been forming for some time, and also never, and also always. That is like. A direct counter to the god emperor but there's not enough written on them to to matter yet so yeah the, yeah he he exists but he doesn't like it it's something that uh a couple things will bring up but never in enough information to say that he's like actually there right it's one of those things games workshop hasn't decided whether they want to put into play or not actually i've read i've read that some fans speculate that that's actually uh, an attribute of the god that the reason why that, that like that uncertainty about him being there is what he kind of is like he's a god of deception and hidden you know that like like that kind of stuff like still like darkness and the unknown but that's all speculation. So. 
I would consider it the god of unresolved Games Workshop plot threads. <laughs> I was sure. going to go with that as well. Because uh, there's a lot of do... those in the lore. They have a lot of unresolved plot threads. Like the the Necron having a god in Mars and like where the Tau came from. <laughs> or will any of the Primarchs eventually, you know, the come back to any extent? Yeah, like the one we were talking about earlier that's just like, oh, I'm here now, guys. Where have you been the last thousand years? Oh, you know. Yeah, that's one of the things that people either love or hate about 40k is the plethora of unresolved story threads. <laughs> well, so so these are the uh, so Krom, Nurgle, Corn. Zinch, or sorry, it's not Krom is uh, that's Conan. Conan the Barbarian. So Corn, Corn, Nurgle, Slanesh, and Zinch. That that one's gonna fuck me up every time. But so these are our our four. You can also call him the Raven Lord, like the Raven Lord. Okay, he he does like to appear often as a big old bird. All so. Right, so these are our uh, our primary, or I shouldn't say our Chaos Gods. So. Yeah, what are some are the of four uh, ones that are constantly, and they have their various, you know, supplicants and people that fight for them. All right, well, yep. Wretched, why don't you tell us about some of the the demons that they um each command? So they do have uh some of them get their own like little subsections of demons. Like for instance, uh, Nurgle has like the Nurglings, and only Nurgle can pull these Nurglings. And there's another thing that it doesn't really exist anymore that they used to have, but uh. When I was talking about like how Zinch and Nurgle always like butt heads, right? Mm -hmm. They do the same thing with Corn and Slanesh. So back in the day, if you were trying to play the tabletop, if you were like, "Yeah, I want a Corn army," right? Mm -hmm. You could use Corn and you could use Nurgle and Zinch, but if you tried to use Slanesh, it would basically they ruled and like, "Okay, well now your Slanesh guys just attack your Corn guys," <laughs> right? So then it becomes this like. Oh, now they're all just going to butt heads, so there's no reason to do it. And that's that's where the demons kind of come into this weird bit, because there's specifics for each one. So the specifics really for corn uh, are the blood letters, are his specific. And they exist to just spill blood, collect skulls, to give corn more power, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, uh, I'd say they look like your traditional demons, horned, red, Big black horns and flaming swords. And there are a few, uh, even as someone who's not, like, I'm the least knowledgeable here, but even I know that. So in Warhammer in general, there are a few key phrases that, like, fans say. For instance, as an orc fan, orcs will generally just, or orc fans will just generally just scream, wah, when they're in the middle of playing or any time. I know with uh, with Chaos, you hear the phrase, uh, blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne, or something like that, right? Yep, that is yep. it. That is that is their big their big credo. That is the battle cry of corn. Yep, because corn uh, and... literally sits on a giant skull uh, throne of skulls from all of the people that have been sacrificed to him. Yep, and uh, they just recently released uh, this thing that is the throne of skulls that's the size of a titan, which a titan is basically something the Imperium of Man made a long, long time ago. Uh, that is. Like, basically a giant robot. Yeah, with every gun you can conceivably strap to it. Right. Are we talking, are we talking like, Pacific Rim style, where it's, like, 100 Bigger. feet tall? or Bigger. We're talking, like, this thing every you Godzilla can see from size. space. Yeah, like, it's massive. And then, so the reason this thing's so cool, and they call it that, is not only is it lined with skulls for corn, but they're like, you know what seems like a good idea, guys? 
let's put a big demon in that. So it is basically just a giant armored demon. <laughs> you combat in Warhammer, yes. Oh, it, it's a scary <laughs> model. Uh, yeah, and so. it's essentially supposed to be the effigy of corn made manifest in real space. Right, because as stated again, they, they can't come to our plane, so they make... Uh, demon princes, which we'll get into. That, that's where we talked about, like, uh, everyone can make demon princes. All four of these gods can. And what they get for becoming a demon prince depends on what your god is. Yeah. So, we'll circle back around the demon princes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Just just real quick, I want to touch on. So you talk about titans and this, this skull armored demon with how big they are. And if you look up, like, size comparison charts between different sci-fi shows... Warhammer technology dwarfs 95% of other sci-fi shows. Like one of the the most basic example is someone just put a like an Imperium like just uh I don't know what it's called but one of their like command cruisers next to Battle a March. Yeah, next to like a Star Trek galaxy class ship next to like a Star Wars Star Destroyer and the Star Wars Star Destroyer alone like dwarfs the Star Trek thing and then the the Imperium ship is like four times the size of the Star Destroyer or something. So No, when I say that uh, 40K is just extreme in every amount, they, that, that yeah, that's how they kind of designed it. It's like, we will have the biggest, bestest toys on the playground. Oh, yeah, we, we turn it up to 11. Yeah, so basically, unless you're talking like tep, uh, Tengen Topa Gudenlagen, like Warhammer's going to have the biggest technology. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is that, that show gets ridiculous. They're throwing galaxies at each other. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. So, you know, while corn represents the, you know, basic, you know, when you think demons, you get that one. I think Nurgle represents the other end of the spectrum of there's slimy zombies, rotting, well, then, shambling corpses. Well, then, so so corn gets the blood letters and Nurgle, and we described the, like, you know, you said general demons. So what are, uh, what you call them, Nurglings? They are just called Nurglings, and they are basically these so they can be all sorts of things they could just be a bloated corpse that walks up and his whole job is if i blow up and get like eight people sick i've done what i want like <laughs> or and they're like there's these small booger monsters that like roll around and like just grab people and try to pull them into muck that's nurgle disgusting. is yeah it's it's gnarly. Yeah, the, the biggest one right now for Nurgle are what are called Poxwalkers, which yes. are zombies, essentially, with this perpetual rictus grin on their face. And they just come at you missing arms, legs, whatever, oozing and sliming and just... Yeah, their whole goal is to spread disease. Yep. If, if, we, can, if we can get to main water sources on planets... We did it. We did the boys. It's funny when you mention like the the gods creating demon princes. I think of like corn creating a demon prince and then becoming this big muscular horn winged demon. And I think of Nurgle making a demon prince. I think of someone going from like regular to suddenly looking like a ghoul oozing oh, everywhere. Yeah. Stench. So yes, a lot of <laughs> yeah, uh, a lot of Nurgle's demon princes are they're like job of the hut with like a plague sprayer that just kind of like slugs around. Like, yeah, they're they're pretty gnarly. Yeah, the big like uh corn has the Lord of Skulls and for Nurgle it's called the Great Unclean One, which yep. is this giant swollen mass of flesh with horns. 
Wait, is the, the Lord of Skulls the same as the Skull Taker? Because I know you've told me about the Skull Taker. The Richard. Skull Taker is basically like a general of blood letters. The Skull Taker is like the size of a space ah, Okay, yeah. this which thing is still is... like an eight foot tall guy, but whatever. <laughs> no, the great unclean one is typically depicted as having his intestines hanging out and flies circling his head and weeping sores and just unpleasantness. Yep. Spreading pox. I think I'd rather be killed by corns, people. Just my well, be quicker. It'll be faster. It'll be faster because that's the reason that uh, Slanesh and Corn are at arms. Because one of the big things that Corn hates is that Slanesh is like, "Hey, if I can make it more painful when you die, hey, more power for me, right?" Well, Corn's like, "Quick, clean kill. Take the skull. We move along. Like <laughs> next one, next one, right?" Okay, so Nurgle gets the Nurglings and the 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 what you call it, the Great Unclean One. Or the like Great that? Unclean yeah. One is their big is their big bad. Okay, what's uh, so what does Zinch get? Zinch gets a multitude of things. I forget the name of them, but they're like manta rays, and they uh, Zinch's big one is uh, pink horrors and blue horrors. Yeah, the pink and blue horrors, and then there's also the uh, what is that thing called? It's basically if you took a freaking uh, librarian from, which is one of the space wizards from the space marine, and you made him into a demon, and they float on these discs, and the reason that they do that is they try to catch people on the discs to make more of them, and I forget what they're called, it but they're like super awesome. They're called. Yeah, and they basically they, they try to trick psychers to getting on them, and then it's like, hey, look, now we've got another one. Yeah, like, they're, they're soul-powered. But yeah, no, the uh, pink horrors and the blue horrors are these mouths with hands that shoot warp flame, which yeah, is they... cyclically manifested fire. Yep, and they, uh, they're known to eat people's thoughts and just leave husks. <sighs> yeah, yeah so and they'll, <laughs> they'll walk through a city and then just like leave the bodies. So you'll come by and everyone's just like comatose, basically. Yeah, and the worst thing about the horrors is... Anytime you kill a pink whore, it splits into two blue whores. Got a hydra effect going on, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and another thing too, then because of the way the warp is like with it being so volatile, and even when you kill those, it's like half the time sometimes they just go back into the warp. And it's like Yeah, because I didn't technically do anything. you can't kill a demon. Right. Because right. they don't exist on our plane of existence. They get to briefly come into the human plane of existence, I typically when someone is able to weaken the bonds of reality enough for them to slip through, or they come through in possession. But that's the worst thing about demons. They're killing them doesn't matter. <laughs> they just come back later. Mm. So what's Zinch's big bad, his equivalent of the great unclean one? Ah, uh, the changer of ways. Yep, the changer of ways, which is if you usually you can find it pretty easy. It's a giant like three-headed bird monster yeah that's with a staff of tentacles right Very and uh, yeah it's 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 pretty cool let's say it's yeah, one it's of the single most powerful space wizard creature you will encounter so it's space wizard so it, it's a casting psyker magic because yeah, uh yep zinch's big thing is mutation and not necessarily always beneficial mutation like zinch will ask the question what would it look like if your asshole's on the outside yeah, it it doesn't have to be uh doesn't have to be practical. It just has to happen. Because <laughs> yeah. we wanna we wanna see what happens when we do it. And that's Zinch's whole shtick is psychic powers and let's play shuffle the internal organs. Uh, right. 
<laughs> All right, so and Zine she said was the schemer. Yes. Yes. Okay, so the schemer who loves mutations and change for change's sake. Okay, so it leaves us now to Slanesh, who I you mentioned Slanesh likes like pain and torture excess. So, uh, so what does Slanesh get? Demonets. Uh, demonets. Yeah, majority of them are the demonets, which can appear with claws and stuff, or could look like a normal sides to basically Hulk out at you. Succubi. Yeah. yeah, the cool thing easy, about yeah. demonettes is they are so incredibly beautiful, but at the same time, monstrously terrifying. Mm. Uh, there was a book I was reading where a group of regular soldiers called Imperial Guardsmen encountered some demonettes, and their minds couldn't process the beauty they had. So their mind, they just, you know, killed themselves. And the effect was so profound that even the space marines, who are these superhuman soldiers that are beyond normal human emotions, registered these creatures were beautiful. But at the same time, they can also appear as terrifying monsters of nightmare with giant crab claws with which to rend your flesh from your bones. Ooh. I think I'll just say that for every chaos demon, but you guys are, are good at finding the right words to, uh, to convey it. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're known for being ridiculously quick. Like, blink and they're on top of you quick. They're also really, really mean in the tabletop because uh, they have a really easy, if there's any type of female troop on the battlefield, they can get possessed, like, boom. So in the Sisters of Battle, which is the like one of the female factions of the Space Marines that came out, uh, there was a ruling that you roll on this table called the Warp every time you're playing uh, any type of chaos. Right. So I had a chance of when I just roll, hey, you know, half of your units just became these. Enjoy. <laughs> it was super yeah, mean. No. Uh, Slanesh, more than any other god, is about trying to convince you to their point of view in the most friendly fashion. Well, then what's Slanesh's big bad? Uh, Slanesh's big bad is what's called the Keeper of Secrets. And. Yeah, the Keeper of Secrets. Horse faced monster. Yep. Horse faced? Horse faced. Yep. Got a horse face. <laughs> what does it do? Uh, it, it looks into your it. mind and sees what it is you most desire and offers it to you in exchange for your soul. Okay, so Slanesh sounds the most like the actual devil then. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, Slanesh has suffered from underdevelopment lore-wise, and I've never really I, been sure why. I, the big thing is, is like, so when they changed a lot of the Chaos, or the Chaos Codexes, right? They also, especially now, where they've changed them from Codexes to Indexes, and Actually, now I get codexes now. Yeah, uh, they they like they shorten a lot of lore and tried to condense it and make it easier for people to kind of understand. And Slanesh kind of fell on the way bit because for a long time, like building a Slanesh army was tough. And we're still like as much as that we love this lore and everything. Games Workshop sometimes is just just rude. <laughs> like they're very because, fickle right because they're like hey if people aren't buying these models then there's no reason to the lore so but tough the problem luck. is if you don't have lore no one's going to buy the models it's right it's it becomes this loop but yeah <laughs> okay so keeper of secrets changer of ways great unclean one and the skull take no not skull taker the uh, keeper of skulls or no something lord like of, that lord of yeah, skulls lord okay. of skulls all right so we uh, so we talked about then their their main demons at, uh, and we talked about the chaos gods and like I, I was trying to get an impression based on you know the kind of demons they keep and how they react to each other that you know like this is like you know a Paul this is a pantheon right yeah. and any any pantheon 
there's our relationships and personalities. I mean, like it's a well-known fact that Zeus is a horn dog, though, and we get the impression that, like for instance, corn. If I were to take a a wild guess, is probably like a pretty straightforward guy, right? Like I would guess he's very much like you know. You know, aggression and and like anger and you know, murdery. Like, would you say that's a, a fair assessment of his personality? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely. I I also think that um, after looking through most of his lore, he's also the most honorable. Yeah, I was gonna say the lore is always they've kind of gone back and forth on that one, but he used to reward honorable, you know, fights and duels, and even because each of the god these gods has their own separate realm within uh the warp. And Corns is called the Brass Citadel, and there the best fighters fight each other for eternity. So he's got kind of a demonic Valhalla going. Exactly. On. Pretty much. Yeah, and that's how he, that's where he gets most of his uh his blood letters. And then there's also these uh these bigger ones that uh that are like hosts of corn that he makes off of people that win. And that's where the Skull Taker actually came from, because he was just a just a bloodletter and won his way to the top, basically. Yeah, because I guess we should touch on that, because the demons are actually people that follow these respective gods, and then when they died, their souls were consumed by said gods within the warp and then recycled back into the form of demons. So all of these demons were originally people of one form or the other. Yep. It just comes down to, like, who they decided to worship in the end, right? Yeah, and how much you did for their favor. Because I guess we can circle back to uh, Demon Princes, which is kind of the highest rank you can receive yep, as, you, as a mark of favor with the gods. And you can uh, earn it on a battlefield if you do it, if you do what the respective god uh, asks of you. So there if been... I go on a battlefield and I sneeze at people, then uh, Nurgle will be happy? No, no Nurgle would be like, <laughs> if... To become a demon prince of Nurgle, you'd like take one of his Nurglings or something, and there'd be a big water source. Like I kept making the joke of that, right? But say this town, this entire or this entire city, this is where we get our clean water from, and you you put that in there, and then just wait, whole town gets sick and dies. That might get you a demon prince, right? Yeah, because we've talked about uh, hive worlds before, which are you know these just worlds that the entire surface is is an unending city. If you infected one of those. That might get Nurgle's attention if you corrupted an entire segment of you, know, like a, a subsector, which is like anywhere from five to thirty planets, or more, for five hundred planets. That'll get you demon prince status. You got to do something to earn it, because essentially what happens is the god gifts you with a shard of themselves, which then mutates you and changes you to be the effigy of that god. I feel like a shard of corn would probably be like a badass blade, while a shard of Nurgle would be like a glump of goo. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, I I could see it. Right here, you get a chain X, and you get this. <laughs> well, because uh, then we can kind of touch on Nurgle's home domain, which is the Garden of Nurgle, which is this fetid swamp where Nurgle is sitting around this cauldron, constantly cooking up new horrible diseases. And what's and he like? Jovial. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's a very having, happy god, having a great time, and uh, <laughs> it, it's really fun because uh, we didn't really touch on the the big bits too now where we've got all of the eldar gods basically dead but nurgle actually managed to capture their god of healing and likes to spend his days just being like let's see what this plague does to her let's Ooh. see what this plague does die. to her because she can't die that's pretty messed up <laughs> yeah and we say the elder gods are gone 
It's because Slanesh ate them when she was born. Well, hold on. Yep. We'll get to Slanesh. That sounds like a story I want to hear. But uh, So I get the sense, describing Nurgle, that he's like a mad scientist, but like Very a happy... Much so. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's, a, that's an easy way to describe him. He just sits like a toad in his swamp of snot. Yep. Which, that's not an exaggeration. That is unfortunately true. Yeah, I didn't like we were talking earlier. He, he also, yeah, and uh, he, he will sometimes even eat these plagues and excrete them and then have his warriors dip their weapons in it. Yeah, Nurgle's nasty. There are no yeah. two ways about it. <laughs> I feel bad for the, what's the name of the healing goddess? Uh, uh, I, yeah, oh, there we go. Yeah, I forget the name of the elder one. The only one I remember is Cain because he's budget corn. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we'll talk about them when we actually when we talk about the Eldar. So then, you know, you've got Zinch, and I don't... Oh, what is Zinch's realm called? I forget the name of Zinch's realm, uh, because he spends so much time trying to possess anyone he can in the Imperium to just, let's see what happens if... he He's he's the kind of guy that would make someone make the Stuxnet virus, right? Where it just slowly keeps making the generators spin a little bit faster just yeah. to see if he could blow it up without anyone noticing. Like he's constantly scheming. That's his whole thing. It's all according to plan. Even you know, when the plan fails. That was according to the plan. You know, it's, it's funny. You guys mentioned that Slanesh is the one who gets, like, kind of waysighted because, you know, hard to build the armies, and she kind of gets lore-shafted. But just listening to you guys talk, I feel like Zinch is the one you two have the least, like, hard knowledge about. The reason is, is because Zinch typically doesn't pick up in his own stories, right? Like, Zinch's stories are a lot of, like, hey, I made this captain fire at our own ships just to see what would happen. Like, a lot of his stories are just him playing chess with other people not and it's more like their story than his if that makes sense yeah there's not i don't want to say that he's not interesting it's just more that he's very much boiled down to zinch had a scheme and now let's watch it play out with these three other people that are two degrees away right like it's not that he's not interesting it's that like what he's doing and how he starts impacting other people's stories makes him interesting it sounds like I would pick him just based on what you're saying, and maybe this is an obvious reference. It, it, he sounds like a Moriarty type, then. Like I would gauge him as oh yeah, like an oh yeah, definitely He's very calm and you know, like just very meticulously looking at like details and stuff. So no, the exactly. biggest problem most people have with Zinch is like I said, everything's according to plan, even the failures. And people go, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, he, he's got a little bit of a MacGuffin where he's like, oh yeah, I meant for that to happen because now that we lost on this planet, we won over here. Like, but I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, the running joke is, no, you don't. You're just making that up. <laughs> well, there is um, there is a line. I remember that, and this isn't an uncommon thing. I remember playing uh, Diablo 3 with my friends and you get to um, Asmodan and it's like every time you defeat one of his pack or something, he shows up. Oh, that was on the plan all along. And it got to the point where we all were just laughing at him. That's uh, Zinch in a nutshell. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much Zinch. Yeah. So uh, then we get to Slanesh and Slanesh has a pleasure planet, essentially. I feel like there should be quotations around that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it depends on uh, what your pleasure is, right? Yeah, which is essentially, it's this whole world driven to finding new and excessive ways to derive pleasure, typically of the sadomasochistic fashion. Because, you know... (laughs) Semi-exciting. You you move past (laughs) the basic stuff real quick. 
So, you know, it's all about finding that new next level. Uh, I think the best example I have for if you want to know what Slanesh is all about, uh, there's a book in the Horus Heresy series, which is a fantastic start if you're new to 40K, called mm-hmm. Fulgrim, which an artist begins melting people down to make paint because she's now discovered that blood and vitals make the best paints and she's become an unwitting follower of Slanesh. And she so, also starts using her own blood and fecal matter for painting. Okay. Because, I, mean, I was going to make a joke, but I feel like you've just jumped right past it. Because I was going to say, <laughs> like, I was going to say, like, so we take the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey fan base, drop them on this planet, and show them what, you know, really. But uh, yeah, I feel like you went right past even that oh, yeah, level no, of humor. No. So like, that's. That's baby steps for this planet. Like, well, that was supposed yeah. to be the joke, but then you started using like people's fluids as paint, and I'm like, that's that's really not funny. <laughs> so, no, yeah, it's no, all about no. taking it to that next extreme. Yeah, there was a there was a dude that literally had a Facebook in uh, one of the stories, and his his whole goal was to try to tell a story of a person using as many faces as that person had seen in their lifetime. So when you say a Facebook, do you mean like a it is book? a book of faces? <laughs> <laughs> I love how excited you were about that. <laughs> I mean, well, that's just not something you get in any other universe. Again, I think right. that's why 40K like, is so awesome. You're not going to find that in any other sci-fi fantasy universe. But right. it, it definitely sounds like a Hellraiser would fit in right well in a uh, Celestia's planet. Yeah, no, yeah. that's uh, definitely one of the rare examples I would say that 40K took inspiration from something else because I've said it before, 40K gets accused a lot of times of, oh, they just stole that from, you know, this fandom. No, most things are inspired by 40K, but I'd say this is one of the rare examples when 40K looked at Hellraiser and went, ooh, that'd be a good inspiration for a god. Right. <laughs> so but I would... Let's uh, crank it up a bit because this is 40K. Yeah, I, I, okay, so I feel like this is me stereotyping, so definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but just based on um, Slanesh's sphere of influence, I would assume that Slanesh's personality would boil down to uh, like very flirty and very like almost uh, talking like they hold power over you, so like very confident and, and pr- uh, very prideful. Oh, yeah, no, they got that's the biggest draw that Slanesh picks from is people that are very prideful or think they're the best. Slanesh is like, okay, I got an in. Yeah, uh, my big thing is I, I've always looked at Slanesh as, like I said earlier, like the closest thing to if we were like looking at the Bible, right? Like that, Slanesh is the devil, right? <laughs> like, Well, it's funny because um, I know, Ulrich, you've agreed with me about this in the past, but my favorite uh, interpretation of the devil, modern anyway, is the one from the television show Reaper, played by Ray yes. Wise, who I will always see as devil from now on. And what yeah. I like about him is that he looks like, you know, just a tan businessman with a really bright smile. He's been called the Pepsodent Devil because of his smile. So he's the kind of guy that I can totally see, like, you know, convincing people to sign a contract with because he's so charming and and likable. That's actually what yeah. makes him dangerous. Exactly. Well, the cool thing about all these chaos gods is they're incremental in how they draw people in. Is every one of these ones incrementally draws people in. Like with corn, it starts with, you know, a little bit of battle lust and it builds and it builds and it builds until you're just constantly a raging inferno. You can't get away from that. Or Zinch, it's like 
trying to find that one thing that's going to help you solve this equation. Nurgle's the only one that's not that's not so subtle. Yeah, Nurgle's no. like, oh, I gave you the flu. Well, I guess you got to join me now. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, he's actually done that before. It's like, oh, you got the, the rot. Well, you know, there's no cure, so... I mean, there's always... Just always being the rot. <laughs> I really want to meet someone that's a devotee of Nurgle and go, what's the what's the sales pitch? Corn <laughs> like, is, well, hey, you want to be the best warrior? Zinch is like, hey, you want to be the best sorcerer? Slanish is like, hey, do you want to experience these pleasures unknown? Nurgle's like, hey, you want to have a runny nose forever? I well, mean... Okay. Nurgles is more of like, hey, you want to blow stuff up? Like, they all allow you to blow stuff up. It's no, like no, that. but like, but Nurgles is all like, his whole thing is if we could make the the planet like Nurgles for the kind of people that want to watch the world burn, like very slowly. Well, right. I was going to say, based on your descriptions, I get the feeling that a, a pitch for Nurgle might like. So if if I became say the the avatar of uh. I don't know, like bird flu or or no malaria. Like there we go, actual killer of people. So like if I got turned into the avatar of malaria, which involves me having malaria, uh, yeah, like the the draw would be I now am this walking force of nature that like causes everything around me to fall under this power that I emanate. It, it's definitely like a weird kind of power fantasy that's kind of sadomasochistic. So. Yeah, no, I mean, essentially, all of these gods prey up on different aspects of, you know, the human personality, which I think 40K doesn't get enough credit. There's actually some really intelligent writing to it. Oh, definitely. In that there's a duality to all these gods. And, you know, Slanesh, while being evil and sadomasochistic, is also trying to excel and be the best you possibly can. Um, Korn, for all his violence, it's also about seeking an honorable fight. Yeah, it's all about getting that uh that super honorable fight cuz he has a really big tendency of like basically letting you fight in his thunderdome if you kill a commander like and the way you do it if you do it like quick and clean even better. Yeah, and the funny thing about Corm we forgot to mention is he hates psychers which is the term they use for what we call space wizards in this universe has no time for that stuff at all because he he believes that by using the warp to like make yourself stronger you're you're again like throwing the honor of the duel away basically like oh you can use magic like no this is this is a sword fight basically Hmm. i do remember so so auric i know that you're mostly a space marine guy and me and you have um talked about at length like uh you know because i'll make a joke about being like orcs uh, orcs orcs and you'll call me a, a filthy xeno because yes. generally the the imperium of man and the um the space marines are very like anti anyone that isn't them i mean that's true of pretty much every faction well, but... the rule of thumb for the imperium of man and humanity in 40k is if it's not human kill it if it's and even then if it's human but there's a mutation we haven't approved of kill it twice as fast yeah what what i'm getting to is i've always got the impression from you that of all the races in the 40k the chaos are the the most hated by the imperium because they were humans and then they like willingly gave it up like isn't the the biggest threat and they represent the narrative the ongoing overall narrative of the imperium of man versus chaos yeah because it's it becomes another thing too then it 
they're a huge threat as well in the aspect of one of us three could, you know, start talking to a chaos god, but you don't want to get shot, so you're not going to tell anyone about it, right? And it yeah. just keeps stacking. And the kind of problem the Imperium has put itself into is the average citizen within the Imperium of Man doesn't know about chaos, doesn't know about demons, doesn't know about any of that. And actually knowing about or even seeing a demon will typically result in death or forced labor to death. Right. <laughs> it's very much they don't want, because the problem is the minute you know about these things, then the demons, ha then they have an inroad, arguably. Right. But now that we know you time, exist. Not knowing about it hasn't exactly paid off well for the Imperium. Yeah. Like, now that we know that you're, now that they know that we exist, we have an in, basically. So that's yeah, why they yeah. try to keep it under wraps. And I, uh, I googled. I was trying to think of this while you, um, but the because we talked about how, like with orcs, the phrase is "wah," and with with followers of corn, it's blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne. The the general line for the Imperium, and in a way, the line for 40k as a, a whole, right, is a uh, burn the heretic, kill the mutant, purge the unclean. Yeah, mm -hmm. gives you a but... view into that particular psychology. <laughs> yeah, the reason and the other reason that uh, chaos is the big driving opposition to the Imperium, is all these other, you know, factions we've talked about, the universe will still be standing. Chaos's end goal is to destroy the universe. I guess if you're talking about the universe as a concept, because I certainly well, get Well, the, the universe, this universe of 40k, they want to purge all life from this existence because they essentially exist in every conceivable universe. I mean, by the logic of the lore they've established, Technically, these chaos gods exist in our universe. Yeah, no, I, I just meant that, like, for example, the, the Tyranids basically are doing something similar because the Tyranids' goal is to absorb and consume all organic material possible and just continue. So, like, they but have there a... will still be life after them. They yeah, will still no. physically exist. Chaos wants nothing to exist. The chaos wants to destroy, like basically the material plane because it is now the thing that can oppose what we can do they don't really care about coming here because why would we come here when we can basically make anything we want out of the warp yeah their realm is more interesting it's it's basically we we have this you're you're able to create your own planets and stuff right axel and you can do whatever you want on this planet but now there's this other like dimension that can now mess with what you're trying to do on your planet. That's yeah. now the threat. I think the best example I can give is, well, circle back to, you know, the birth of Slanesh. When Slanesh was born from the thousand-year murder-death orgy huh. that the Eldar were having, the first thing he, she, it did was it went about consuming the other Eldar gods. Like, the Eldar had their gods. And that's the cool thing about this universe. Because, you know, the nature of the warp, if enough people believe these things, then they manifest in the warp. And Slanesh popped up and proceeded to eat them. Hmm. Yep. And the majority of uh, Eldar, too, then, uh, then die without the little stones. Yeah, also the Eldar refer to Slanesh as she who thirsts. Because, though, because Slanesh was born from this excess of, you know... Uh, well, excess, he constantly has a hunger. Mm. And because he was so powerful when he was born, he was powerful enough to eat the gods and still be hungry. And that kind of sums up what chaos is after, just destruction. But can can the warp exist without, like, physical beings to 
feed it with their emotion and shit? Yes, because yes. it exists in every conceivable universe. But don't the warp or don't the chaos want to destroy like every conceivable physical universe? Yes. Yeah. But considering but- that. Theoretically, the number of universes is infinite. So it's really just uh, an endless... It's an endless cycle. Yeah. Yes. And because oh. time doesn't really apply in the warp, it doesn't matter. So that's really why the um, the Chaos Gods are more concerned with their own... Like, really just with um, their own spheres of influence. So Exactly. Because, like, it, it becomes this... Like I said earlier, you know, that's now the thing that's the threat. So let's deal with it so i can continue doing what i want to do although it seems like they they deal with it by continuing doing what they want to do right so. it's it's a great cycle <laughs> everything works out and that's essentially you know the 40k in a nutshell right there well oh, yeah. I, I remember um so when i was just learning about 40k and i wasn't super interested in it yet Ulrich here once asked me because he didn't know much about star trek at all and so he asked me like who i thought would win between the the tyranids and the borg and i mean i didn't really have any favorite reference for the tyranids so i went and googled it and one of the first things i found was a forum asking the question and the top voted comment was dear god what did the borg ever do to you (laughs) oh yeah uh and that the problem is is the tyranids have this really awesome thing that they like to do where they're like oh hey you uh you have this really awesome trait well we're just gonna go ahead and take a little bit of your genes and now we're gonna start making raptors with that trait for funsies like (laughs) (laughs) well well my main point bringing up that story was that the more i i read about the warhammer universe the more i realized that um with the exception of that like five percent of of universes i mentioned earlier pitting warhammer against anything really just isn't fair because warhammer as a universe is designed to be like the most brutal warlike intense like fictional interpretation of a universe that like can be conceived yeah the slogan for warhammer 40k is in the grim darkness of the far future there is only war and again i think that that people go oh that's you know kind of a dumb tagline but the amount of stories and concepts and ideas they cover under that umbrella is so incredibly vast and ever expanding and i think that's why i love 40k there are so many various elements to it you can play the tabletop you can read the books you can play the video games um there is literally no end I think this is one of the most fleshed out universes oh well, yeah, uh, definitely <laughs> i would say like there, there's still holes here and there but i think it becomes you can little... find someone with a theory to patch it right well like you mentioned the the tau you know not explaining where they came from or crap like that <laughs> but yeah, i mean at the, end, at the end of the day you could still like I personally don't, but you can still find love in the towel like now, right? Where they've they've built this lore of like, well, now they indoctrinate different people and like that's where they got this stuff. So the thing is, is I feel Warhammer definitely has a little bit of something for everybody. Like there's so much you'll find something that you really like. Yeah, and that's the whole point of this episode and this series going forward is introducing people more and more to various elements to 40K to find that thing that works for you. If chaos doesn't sound like it's the faction for you, that's fine. We got like 30 other races we can talk about. Yeah, and but some. an important thing, I think we might, like, we probably should. Well, no, actually, now that we've explained, this is probably the perfect time to do it. But so we brought Wretched, we brought you on here because we knew that you were a chaos guy so you could talk about chaos and now that we've explained a lot of the the basics of chaos um 
for some like closing statements, do you want to uh, explain essentially why the chaos appealed to you and what other any other closing statements you have on them? Yeah, uh, the reason that I really liked the chaos in general for me was like, again, my my whole like background into it. The first thing that I learned to play was chaos. But as I started like kind of looking more into it, the fact that there's these four gods that are just pitting at each other all the time without like a real intention other than like, you know, I want to beat these guys because I want to. I, I always found that like really fascinating that like so much can happen because of that. And adding that into a universe that already has this super dense lore that's already dark and grim. Just I don't know. It, it just makes me super want to nerd out. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but that description sounds like you find the pureness of the chaos appealing. They do the things they do for no reason other than these are the things that they do. Like, Korn is the god of war, and he's going to war because he's the god of war. Exactly. And uh, I'm, I don't know, I'm very simple when it comes to it. That That's that's an easy way of describing it, yeah. Thank you. So do you have a favorite chaos god? Oh, it's definitely Korn. Uh, I I really enjoyed the whole concept of you know that back before they fiddled with the codexes. I still like I still enjoy the uh, the old bit where he was the guy that became a god and then still like looks to find the honorable duel right. Yeah, where he's just constantly like one day. This is a little bit of headcanon for me, but I I, I really enjoy the the concept of corn being like one day one of these guys is going to get strong enough to fight me right. Which theoretically could happen. Right. I, I do remember when me and you were talking uh, tabletop that like you described to me, um, the again, I'm the skull taker. And that one thing you like about him is that he had a special power where he could just be like, all right, roll a die that that your your character's dead. Skull taker just insta kills you. <laughs> uh, so he doesn't insta kill you. What it was was he has a really high chance of just like straight up murdering a guy in a one because he can call out. So in the tabletop, right? You have this thing called a HQ, right, which is going to be your main. And then there's your companies and then your commander, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you can call their commander out to a one on one. And if they don't like accept the one on one, you can basically roll the dice and be like, no, no, you you do. This is mm-hmm. happening. And if they don't, he basically gets a blade that can cut through armor so he can just straight give people. So Which, if you like someone came up to you and said, hey, I want to get into 40K. I want to play the tabletop. And you're pitching them chaos. How do you pitch them chaos? Um, if you want to get to the the nitty gritty and dark stuff of 40k, chaos is a great way to start to to, to delve in and look. <laughs> if you want to play the quote unquote bad guys, <laughs> if you want to be the yeah, if you want to be the bad guys. Even though I feel like they're mild bad guys compared to the Necron. But I was gonna say the Necron <laughs> seem like the true quote unquote like e- well, they're a different kind of evil like. Uh, well, this is this is as as they're known for, right? They this is chaos. This is all this is. The Necron is like calculated evil, <laughs> and, and then and then I would say the Tyranid is like the force of nature evil. Like Tyranid, oh definitely. Like, well, orcs also kind of fall in that yeah, category. Or- orcs, orcs are still fungus. Well, here's the thing about orcs, though, and we'll talk because we are going to have an orc episode. I want to talk mainly about Grazkul Thraka, whose main thing is refusing to die. But anyway. <laughs> um, Orcs, though, unlike so, orcs are kind of to me the purest form of the spirit of Warhammer. So, unlike the Tyranids, who are this like force of like just biomass absorbing everything, orcs are like war incarnate. Like, while Corn is the god 
of war and he like gets power from war orcs just kind of are living war if that makes sense to me yeah that's true unless you've got good things to trade cats <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, i will say and i'll talk about this later but so if if uh chaos are getting to the the nitty-gritty orcs are like getting to the comedy of warhammer <laughs> oh definitely yeah paint it yellow it'll go faster wait no no it's paint it red it'll go faster paint it yellow it'll blow up bigger <laughs> <laughs> oh no like I, said, uh, I got a buddy who plays orcs and orcs believe that white is the color of death and I'm trying to convince him to paint a squad of orcs that he's just, you know, kind of splattered with white. And they're all freaking out and they're pretending to be zombies. <laughs> because that would happen in this universe. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we will... Um, we'll but again, certainly... we'll, we'll save that for when we get to orcs. Yeah. But uh, as far as as far as far uh, I'm concerned, like, Wretched, you're free to uh, come back on and we have further Warhammer discussions, especially with your extended experience with it. So. Oh, yeah. I'd love to come back on, guys. Like, I'm, I'm happy you guys let me... Show up today. No, it helps to have an expert since Axel's knowledge of 40k is okay. Is that that one thing or? Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not a total noob, but I am pretty, like, yeah. To I'm, be I'm, fair, I'm, you don't know the difference between a Primarch and a Primaris Marine. That is correct, but I don't find the Imperium of Man particularly interesting. So, <laughs> well, when we get to the Imperium of Man, we'll hopefully change that. All right, so let's move to our suggestions of the week. Gresham, why don't you start us off? Oh yeah. Uh... Suggestions of the week, if you guys want a really fun game, I think it's still on sale on Humble Bundle right now. Uh, Humans Fall Flat. If you ever played the game Gang Beasts? Uh, is Gang Beasts that thing where like you're controlling like very loop, like ragdolly guys that are beating each other up? Right. So imagine that, but instead of beating each other up, we're now trying to solve puzzles together than our physics space. It's great. <laughs> With that. <laughs> Is it very ragdoll? Oh, to solve the puzzles? It's it's very Oh yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, that's a bit like a game for me then. Yeah, uh we uh last night we were swinging from a chandelier just to see if we could and we we made a four-man uh ladder and were just trying to get to this other side of the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to Google this. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm always looking for uh, uh new New games to play, especially so. Uh, Wretched here is the main guy that I play games with. Normally, we play like For Honor, for instance, is one of our main things right now. So, like when I was trying to sell you on it, Ulrich, and I mentioned it as a social game, like this is the guy. This guy bought me For Honor. I was not interested, oh, yeah. and now I've got like two hundred hours in it. So, oh yeah, it's it's super fun if you're playing with people, and it, it's one of those. Uh, it takes a little bit to kind of learn, but once you've once you start getting into it, it it gets so much easier, and it's on sale right now. By the way, just saying, Ooh, I have to look into that. But anyway, so humans fall flat. Uh, like, how much is it? Uh, I believe right now on Humble Bundle it's seven eighty nine, but it's normally fifteen dollars. I'm guessing, based on you using a suggestion, it's it's worth eight bucks, so especially oh, if you have to play it with. If it was twenty bucks, I would play it. Like, I love it. <laughs> I've only played it for like two hours, but I'm like, I am so in love with this game right now. Humans fall flat. All right. So uh, uh, my suggestion of the week is an old thing. Um, so I like to play board games a lot. Like I usually try to have a board game night once a week if I can get people together. And one of my favorite board games is called Betrayal at the House on the Hill. I've heard of this one. It's so yeah. good. It, uh, it came out. It wasn't very big. They like discontinued it. And then suddenly it got big and they recontinued it and came out with an expansion. So 
the the way it works is you are in a a horror movie like an old 80s horror movie you and your people you're playing with and you're all playing together and you're exploring this house and you build the house as you play with tiles so the house is different every game and then you know you find creepy stuff like the walls start oozing or there's you know a little girl at the end of a hallway or you know a, a madman or a mask that makes you go insane just you know horror stuff and then at some point like usually like 30 minutes into the game an event will trigger called the haunt and you'll usually find out that at that point one of the players is actually a traitor who lured the other players into the house and so the game changes Don't you hate when that happens <laughs> So the game changes from a cooperative like exploration game to a competition between the trader and the survivors. And what the competition is is dependent on a number of factors. But uh, it could be anything from one time I was the trader, I actually became the Grim Reaper, and I was challenging everyone to chess games. Or, <laughs> or another one, uh, uh, Woundvog became the Pied Piper and summoned an army of rats and killed all of us with his army of rats. So I became a dragon. Yes. And then you were killed by an eight year old with heavy armor and a spear. <laughs> yes. Because apparently dragons can't use stairs. <laughs> so, so that's that the kind of, yeah. So it's, it's a super fun, like cooperative change to competition kind of game. It uh, Each game can take anywhere from like about 45 minutes to two hours, depending on the, um uh, the nature of the haunt. And if a horror movie doesn't sound uh, appealing to you there is a fantasy version of it called betrayal at Baldur's gate which is the same mechanics but all like D D and fantasy style scenarios instead and it's amazing all righty then um for me i'm going to basically line out if this interested you like 40k and you want to know more i'm going to say if you want more of a lore angle from people that really know the lore uh go on youtube and look up the vaults of terra they are a great YouTube series that covers nearly every aspect of the 40k universe. If they haven't got it yet, they're working on it now. I think they are hands down the best lore channel out oh, there. Definitely. They're very good. Um, if you're looking to get into the gaming aspect of 40k, any of the Dawn of War series. Uh, my personal favorite is Dark Crusade. That's what I have. Yeah, yep, that's what I would good. say is the best for newcomers. Yep, and unless you're yeah. unless you're doing the story mode and you go to the one mission where you can't build anything and the tower just won't die. That's or tower. They build, where they build nothing but invisible units and you're like, please stop this. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tower. I actually, I actually like the tower lore-wise, but in that game I hate them because I play orcs and orcs are all about I want to get up close and hit them with my axe and tower are all like, I've got a sniper rifle, so... Oh, oh, you seen. They were so broken in the last edition on the tabletop. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to hit you they from the other They suck now, so it all balanced out. <laughs> it was so dumb. They'd go and they'd pull out Tau, and then you'd be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm just do going to put to me, my man. army back in the case. <laughs> yeah, because it was like, I hope you want to get, like, mowed down before you even get to an objective. <laughs> yeah, fun. now they, they, they've, they've been balanced a bit more. And then for people, if you already are a fan of 40K and you're looking for a dedicated 40K podcast, I cannot suggest Adeptus Podcastus enough. Um, they are bi-weekly, they are hilarious, and they will cover just about every aspect of 40K week to week that you need to know. So any of those three, I would definitely suggest. Also, I'm going to throw in one more. If you're looking to read the book series, start with uh, Horus Rising. I think it's a great place to start the universe, book-wise. And maybe, and maybe this goes without saying, but if all of this sounds 
interesting to you, but you're more like, I like fantasy more than sci-fi, then do Warhammer, regular old yeah, Warhammer. definitely. And another cool thing, if you guys do decide to pick up uh, Demons, uh, they can be played with the same models on both Warhammer and 40K. Yeah, it's a great budgetary way to get into both games if you want to. Definitely. As right, a side note, off, oh, never mind. I'll, I'll talk about it later, actually. Go on. All right, first off, I'd like to thank uh, Wretched for coming on this week. It was great to have you. I hope we can get you back on the show sometime. Is oh, there anything definitely. you'd like to plug or promote? Uh, Yeah, you should play Dark Souls, man. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, drop the mic. <laughs> uh, if you're new to this podcast, I loathe Dark Souls. Also, if you're new to this podcast, he's never played Dark Souls. Yeah. He- I've also never been poked in the eye with a hot poker. Some yeah, things I know a, I won't enjoy. That's that's a silly thing. I mean, sometimes you got to walk into the dark shed full of rakes. Other times <laughs> you want to go back through again. <laughs> you sure you're not a Slanesh, you know, worshiper? You seem to like torture. <laughs> no, man, I just like the chaos bit. <laughs> All right. Again, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Also, please follow us on Twitter at Geeks of Shield or feel, Shields, or feel free to join our Facebook group of the same name. Um, we've got a growing community there. We talk nerdy shit and basically fill you in on what's going on in the podcast, as well as getting general feedback. It's a lot of fun. As always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.